0: Well, hello, and thanks for checking out another edition of Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. My name is Dave Ryan, and thank you very much for being here. Um, uh, We've been doing this now since, I want to say January, something like that, and we've kind of hit on a theme that people really seem to appreciate. And I look at the download counts, and there's a whole lot more downloads about this theme than there was about my book, which is good because it's working, but also very hurtful that you didn't want to hear about this book as much as you wanted to hear about the alcohol and the wine moms and that type of thing. But I'm totally happy that it's reaching an audience, and that's what it's all about. So this week, we're going to talk to somebody who uh, is uh, somebody that I've known in radio for a long time, and we were just trying to remember how long we've known each other. Uh, this is, his name is Chris, and Chris used to work at KDWB and some other radio stations. He's totally out of radio now. But Chris and I used to cross paths because Chris would work the all-night show, and then I come in in the mornings like, Hey, Chris, how's it going? Oh, good. What's new? How's the kids? How's the family? Got a new car? Blah, blah, blah. That type of thing. So then I stumbled upon Chris on uh, Instagram a few months ago and realized a couple of things that I wasn't totally aware of, that Chris is no longer in radio. Chris is a, a sober life coach. And I'm like, damn, I got to get Chris on the podcast, so I hit Chris up on DM, and I said, hey, Chris, will you be on the podcast, and Chris is like, yeah, absolutely, so uh, on the podcast this week, Chris Shattuck, and I hope to God I've said your last name right, because I usually just call you Chris. It's Shattuck.
1: Shattuck is right, yes, and and congratulations. Most people say Shattuck, uh, but it is <laughs> Shattuck,
0: so uh, yeah. I'd be really Absolutely. embarrassed if I got it wrong after knowing you all these years, but I'd never really used your last name. I would just say, hey, Chris, how's it going? So, Chris, let me ask you right now, how's it going?
1: It is going great, Dave, and it is uh, it is an honor to be speaking to you today. I just got to tell you, like, uh, it, it's because of you that I even ever got into radio. I grew up in Chaska and sit in my... Uh, bedroom and listen to you and just go god that seems like the funnest coolest job in the world and um and that's why i pursued it i I remember i had the best of cds with the caricature drawings on them (laughs) yep and i remember all the bits the foo king kitchen like i I literally would sit in my bedroom and listen to those and just go god that seems like the best gig ever so i just got to say it's uh, i'm honored to to be speaking with you on your podcast
0: well that is very that is very sweet of you chris i i kind of forget sometimes that um that i do a radio show that people also know me for i mean obviously i don't forget but when i do these podcasts and people say hey i've listened to you since fourth grade i'm like oh shit that's kind of cool i had no idea that i was responsible for you getting into radio
1: oh yeah yeah i mean wow uh, kdwb was the ultimate like i i said if i if i can get on that one day i i will have made it and uh and you did yeah i did and then i mean just god just when you would walk in the studio i I had to pinch myself like holy crap <laughs> i'm sharing this microphone with dave ryan who i grew up listening to and uh you know you were you were a mentor for, for me in many many ways because for people who don't know i mean dave is uh a big time legend um uh it,
0: uh oh, I think I might have lost him. That's right, I'll call him right back. Hold on. He was just getting to the good part. Big time legend. I like that. Let's go back and see if I can get him on the phone here again.
1: Oh crap. Did it did it end or it, did it go over? I'm sorry. It,
0: no, it dropped. It's fine. You were just getting to the part where you said big time legend, and I'm like, this <laughs> this is God's way of keeping my ego under control, but please continue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, big big time legend Dave Ryan. Yeah, uh sharing sharing the same microphone and then you would walk into the studio and I would like literally go oh my oh my god this is this is amazing. So um
0: that's uh, that's really flattering because you know what I tell people all the time I said I just think of myself as like Dave from Black Forest Colorado who works on the radio so but we've had a lot and you're right radio is so much fun KWB is one of those stations that's just legendary and has been known throughout the industry and throughout the years is like groundbreaking and trend setting and that type of thing so it is absolutely man that you ever that you can say you ever worked at KWB is like I pinch myself sometimes too. When I first applied for that job, I thought they're going to get somebody really good, and then they chose me, and I'm like, "Oh shit, pressure." So, and then Chris, you you worked at a couple of other radio stations, and and then I, I remember one time you and I were talking before the show, um, right after your show before my show, and you had said something like, "I don't remember exactly." But you had said something like, "Man, I I got to stop going to the casino," or "I went to the casino yesterday and I lost three hundred dollars." So, can we start there? Because if you had a, an issue with gambling, then and then you had an issue with drinking, which we'll get to in a second. I mean, is it just kind of an addictive personality kind of a thing, or was it a coincidence, Chris, that you also had the gambling addiction?
1: Well, yeah, when I look back on it, um, I was addicted to, you know, gambling, drinking, smoking. Um, uh, you know, around that time, when I first started working at KDWB, I had lost both of my parents. You know, when I was 19, uh, they both died uh, 41 days apart from each other. And oh, my, my gosh. D- yeah. My dad was uh, only 54. My mom was only 49. And. I was just in a really weird place and um so yeah i would i would literally get off the air at 5am on kdwb go to the casino and gamble like almost everything away and uh have nothing to my name it was it was a a bad place i kind of got over that um but the the gambling came back a little bit later on and then the drinking started a few years later uh, when I I got laid off from you know another station that's in the building there uh, because it was like okay I I had kind of worked my way into radio and then after KDWB I went and was doing mornings on another station in the Twin Cities here it was like a dream job of mine to be doing mornings uh, on a major market radio station and got let go from that and I really was in a dark place and so you know that's when I started drinking really heavily and at home and kind of spiraled uh, downward from there. Uh, And it wasn't ever like I couldn't hold down a job or was, you know, waking up and drinking all day. I always was able to have a job and looked fine from the outside. But on the inside, um, I kept turning to the alcohol because it was like that was my that was my escape. Um, Same with the gambling. Right. It was like that was my way to get away from the crap of the real world that I didn't want to deal with and escape reality for a while. And that's really what addiction comes down to um, escaping. And it's just chaos in some parts too.
0: Would you say um, that, you know, I make a joke on the podcast occasionally every couple of weeks I say, Hey, you know, we drink because it works and I'm joking in, but, but I'm not in that when you are miserable, I don't know if alcohol shuts down a part of our brain that, that uh, delves into misery or what, but like Homer Simpson once said, sweet liquor helps numb the pain. Um, mm-hmm. And, but there is some truth to that. So that's one of the reasons why people get addicted and rely on alcohol. Right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, alcohol is the second most addictive substance in the world behind heroin. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And it so glamorized and um people are obsessed with alcohol in our society and so it's easy to see how people get addicted because it's not like other drugs right where you take it once or twice and all of a sudden you're hooked it's more of a slow insidious sort of uh, way that it takes control over you because you know most people start drinking in either their 20s or maybe their teens and they're totally fine and somewhere along the way you drink a a substance that's really addictive long enough and it's gonna it's gonna make a lot of people become addicted to it and you don't even realize when you kind of get to that point where you can't really take it or leave it anymore and all of a sudden it has control over you and um you know for me to say that alcohol doesn't numb the pain or make you feel relaxed for a short while would be a lie because it does and it's like you know, people can have fun with alcohol, but uh, at the end of the day, people are starting to go, well, is it worth it? Is it worth the little bit of relaxation or, you know, calming effect that I get if I'm going to continue to drink and then be either hung over the next day um, or it's or it's affecting my work? It's affecting my mental health. Um, and so I think there is a growing number of people that are going, well, wait a minute. Is this what I really want to be doing, like putting this alcohol into my body? Um, and they're kind of reevaluating their relationship with alcohol.
0: I want to start. That's a, that's a good jumping in place, Chris, about that, because so many people say, I don't want to quit. I want to cut down. I don't want to quit altogether. And you had, you had mentioned a little bit before we started recording. Uh, I think you said something about finding a substitute for alcohol. Did you mention something about that? And if so, let's talk about that for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that is, that's the thing, right? Like for me, for the last, I, I would say for about 15 years is when I was drinking, uh, what I would say is gray area drinking where it was like, eh, I may not be like into the quote unquote full blown alcoholic mode, but I, I know that it's, it's affecting my life more than I would want it to. And I would try to quit. Um, I'd quit for maybe 30 days. You know, I would do like a dry January or something like that. And I would feel great. But the whole time would be like white knuckling it, waiting for like day 31 where I could go back drinking because, you know, alcohol really, it becomes like our buddy, uh, our trusty pal that's always there for us in good times and in bad. And so it's like, okay, I get to go back to it. So a big part of it was was FOMO. Right. I felt like without alcohol, life would be weird. It would it would be boring. Like everybody I know drinks. Like, what does that life look like? And I think that that keeps people from really fully jumping into having an alcohol free life. is like, I don't know how I'm going to interact with people and go to happy hour and do all these things because alcohol is everywhere. And so the good news is that there are more and more alternative beverages uh, coming on the market. I think it grew the non-alcoholic beverage space grew by like 33% in the last year. Okay, And there, there are some like CBD drinks now that are available. Some, some, some ones with um, like magnesium, some drinks like that. So there's some alternatives on top of your, you know, there's always non-alcoholic beer or wines and stuff like that that have been available too.
0: So, because I think a lot of people like smokers, a lot of them, they, they just have that habit of they want to pick up the this, this cigarette, they want to light it up, they want to, you know, whatever. Uh, it's the physical action. So, you're it, it could be effective for some people to try the non-alcoholic beer, the CBD drinks, whatever. They can still have that cold glass in front of them while they're watching Netflix, uh, but it's non-alcoholic. So, that's that could be a good substitute for drinking. Let's talk about your journey a little bit. What At at what point, because I think all people who are listening to this podcast have a point where they go, oh, shit, this is a little bit too much. I just finished an entire bottle of wine, or I just finished my second bottle of wine. I have a friend who the other day drank 12 beers in a night, and then she she fell asleep on the couch, then she woke up and drank some more beers in the middle of the night. She She's one of those people who's like, I got a problem, and she's going to some meetings, and she's trying to, to tackle that. Was there a point where you, Chris, was said, oh, man, this is no longer for fun. This is, whether you want to call it, a low point or a, a light bulb moment. Was there a moment like that?
1: Yeah. I'm so funny that you say that because that was me. I was um, drinking at least a 12-pack of beer um, almost every night, and then i would also have to make sure that i had some vodka or some whiskey in the house to knock me out like i thought i couldn't sleep unless i got drunk enough to basically pass out on my couch every night and looking back on that person now like i don't really even recognize that guy anymore i'm like Whoa, what, what was i doing why why was i doing that to myself um and so i had yeah i had a threshold moment uh, and it, it wasn't just one necessarily. It was a bunch of them that kind of had combined. Like I said, I had tried to quit and cut back in the past. Every time I try to cut back or moderate, it was like, Oh, okay. I'll just drink on the weekends or "Oh, I'll just drink beer and no hard stuff. And for me, that was like playing mental gymnastics in my head. And it was just, it was, it was hard to do that uh, because I would end up going crazy and come back to drinking heavier than I would before. So I had, uh, I'd gotten some blood work done from my doctor and it was the first time that my results were going in a very bad direction as far as my liver results and cholesterol were going. And like I said, my parents died young and I have a daughter who just turned five. And um, at the time she was four. And I said, I don't want to leave my daughter without her father when there's something I could do about this. And I just said enough was enough and I got tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again and decided that if I was gonna have the life that I wanted and knew I could have that I needed to get rid of alcohol because it had been holding me back and the interesting thing is once you get far enough away from alcohol you realize like how much it's affecting your life and in so many different areas than even the ones that you realize. So it was just a a father's day of last year, June 20th was the last day that I drank. Um, and it was almost for me, like a, a switch went off in my head. And I just knew at that moment, like I, there's no more alcohol for me. It's not, it's not, I'm not going to toy with it. I'm not going to say one day, maybe, um, I just knew that I'm, I'm just going to be a non-drinker from this moment on. Was it hard? You know, it, it wasn't as hard this time. And I think the difference is because I went all in. I committed and and I didn't leave a door open, which I had done in the past. You know, in the past, I was like, I would quit and I would keep track of my days. Like, oh, how many days has it been this time since I am sober? And I think that had that was messing with my mind in, in previous attempts. Because it's like, well, what is that doing to my psyche every time I log into this app? Oh, it's been seven days. Oh, I'm I've done pretty well. I I think I should reward myself with a glass of alcohol. You know, it's just I needed to say I'm I'm a non-drinker from this moment on, and whatever it takes, um, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be committed. I am gonna go all in on this and uh and and never questioning that decision, never going, okay, I think I can just have one drink. Because what happens with people that become dependent on alcohol is you get far enough away from it and and we're gonna say okay we can just have one and we have one drink and a lot of the times it'll light our brain up like a christmas tree and bring us right back to where we were prior so it's just in my opinion it's just not worth it if you're at that point where you're you're ready to be done to just just be done uh and that's that's what i help people with there's a process to kind of walk through Um, and and that includes kind of getting to the bottom of why we are drinking the way that we are in the first place. So it's not just a band-aid solution. It is to get to the root of the problem.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that. And I'm sure there's a million different stories. Um, uh, and I've heard people, you know, like you, you'd probably drank partially because of the pain of losing your parents and trying to cope with life in general. Uh, some people drink because they're stressed and at the end of the day, they're like, I'm going to have a glass of wine and two and three, and I'm going to guess there's a different reason why people find themselves many, many different reasons why people find themselves uh, in this situation. Would you recommend the way that you did it? Do you recommend that to the people that you coach or do you try to get to know an individual situation?
1: Yes, always get to know the individual situation and there's um, because everybody is not the same when it comes to this and I don't work with everybody because I can't relate to the the person who is drinking all day, every day and can't hold down a job. And, uh, I don't know how to relate to that person. So I wouldn't work with somebody like that, but it's the person that gets up and is able to go to work, even though they're hungover, feeling like crap. Um, they're able to, you know, hold a, a decent life on the outside, but they just can't, um, kick the alcohol. And I would recommend here. What I always say is, However you want to do it, whatever you think is going to work for you is the best way to do it. And there's no one size fits all. And that's part of, you know, the people that I coach, I only work with a handful of people at a time because I want to be able to give them that individualistic, you know, uh, specialized uh, treatment because everybody is a little bit different. And some people are able to um, say, that's it. I'm done uh, and, and I'm, I'm done right now other people need to kind of give themselves a quit date and slow down um so it, it is a little bit different in, in person by person
0: so that's interesting I don't think I've ever heard anybody bring that up anybody bring that up on the podcast before they they might say okay let's think of a quit date June 30th I will quit so between now and June 30th I am going to slow down and moderate is that that's a legitimate method then
1: yeah, I think that works for for some people. You know, it's it's kind of like, OK, I want to be able to have the the hard set date on my calendar so I can prepare myself for it um, and, and cut back. What I don't recommend is knowing you're going to quit on June 30th and going really, really hardcore the few days before mm-hmm. because, you know, you have to give it up. That's very dangerous and, and not a good way to do it.
0: What is um, uh, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I what I don't want to forget is to get your contact information. And I'm not sure how you know if you're looking for new clients or or you're taking new clients. But if you are, what is the best way to reach you, Chris, to to talk about this?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I am looking for for new clients at the moment, uh, and the best way to reach me is at my website, which is sobercoachchris.com. Uh, And that's also the handle that I use on all social medias. So Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I I avoided being on TikTok for a long time because I thought it's just kids lip syncing. And (laughs) It's not? But Dave, you actually inspired me because you had the the post um, that blew up to over a million views. And I heard you talking about it. And I said, well... Maybe, maybe I can go on TikTok and I'm just going to do it not the TikTok way, the lip syncing or whatever. Uh, I'm just going to go and get them this message out there because that's ultimately what I want to do is to to speak to people and make it okay that, you know, you don't have to suffer in silence with this anymore. There's other people out there who are going through this and, uh, you know, I want to talk about it. So I, I try to provide value and content for people that even would aren't looking to hire me as a coach. But you know, just as a way to start looking at alcohol from a different perspective, um, and so yeah, on TikTok at Sober Coach Chris, uh, I put a lot of videos on there, and I have a Facebook group uh, as well. So if you if you follow me on there, you'll be able to see all that stuff.
0: Okay, because I think that you know this is a recurring theme through the podcast that there's a lot of functional alcoholics who just all of a sudden find themselves in a situation where it's like, oh. And there are other people like me. And you can't spot somebody. You know, we think of somebody who's an alcoholic as somebody who's like, you know, out of a bad movie where their tie is crooked and their hair is messed up and they're slurring their speech. And it's like, no, there's probably somebody in your own office, in your own family, maybe you that has the same issue. And you get up and you feed the dog and you make your breakfast and you go to the gym and then you go to lunch, get your job done, you get accolades at work. And then you come home and you break out two bottles of wine. And I think there's a lot of people who are surprised to find out, like I was, how common common uh, it is to to be that person. So I think that's the kind of people that, you know, you can't probably help a raging alcoholic who gets up in the middle of the night and drinks vodka. But um, uh, But a lot of people who are, if you want to use the word alcoholic, functional alcoholics. Hey, let me touch on really quick because you and I had an interesting conversation about the two ways – that most people face trying to quit drinking um uh, one is rehab what are the really quick i don't want to keep it too long the advantages and disadvantages of rehab chris
1: well you know rehab is incredibly expensive and you know we're in minnesota here what is it's people joke it's like the land of 10,000 rehabs because there's a lot of them and there's a lot of people in in this area that drink heavier than, than they do in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Um, probably has something to do with our weather. I would, I would
0: assume. Could be, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So even there's, there's good things and people that go to rehab can take away a lot of great stuff, uh, from it, you know, because you're, you're forced to kind of abstain from it and you're, you're away from it. You have no access to it, which can be helpful. But one of the problems is many people, um, don't know how to then get out and, and be in the real world where there's alcohol everywhere. You just can't avoid it. Um, and, and it, you know, one thing can trigger and you're back, uh, you know, and the other part of rehab is, uh, it's expensive and you have to let people know. People have to know that obviously you're going away for, for a certain amount of time to do it. And a lot of people don't want to do that to disrupt their life
0: true well I Um, I know somebody who avoided going to rehab because they would have had to be away from their work and they own their own business it's like who's going to run my business I can't go away for 30 days or other people mm -hmm. who are like I'm not going to tell my boss so they don't
1: yep yeah I mean the other the other way that people think of if you go okay I have a drinking problem what do I do about this for the longest time it's been AA and that's a thing that's been around since the early 30s and it's kind of been the go-to um, and what do you think of when you know you hear AA? You think of a dark, dingy basement uh, where people sit around in a circle, and you say your name and you call yourself an alcoholic. And I don't want to knock on anything, whether it's rehab or AA, because I think whatever method you use to get sober is great, and I'm 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 happy for you. But AA doesn't work for everybody because people don't. Not everybody wants to go and call themselves an alcoholic for the rest of their life. And um there's other things with it, too, like you know, surrendering yourself to to a, a higher power. um I, I like to let people know that they are powerful, not powerless. And I just think if we if we take the problem and we give it to somebody else, it's and we say it's out of our hands, it becomes a cop-out to our subconscious, and so we go, well, then I can't do anything about this. And, and what worked for me was getting a hundred percent honest, taking a hundred percent ownership and responsibility for everything in my life, whether it was good or bad and going, you know what, it's because of me that I'm in this position. And it's because of me that I'm going to get out of this place. And there's something that gives you power when you get to that place. Um, and, And that's what I kind of help my clients get to that point where they go, this is up to me to to fix this. And so uh, there are there are those are like the main two methods that people think of. And that's why I started doing this, because when I was drinking, if I would have had somebody to kind of guide me through somebody that had been there down this road before knows exactly kind of where I'm at, what I'm going through. Um, to kind of guide me through the early stages of sobriety, That that's what I would have wanted. And so that's kind of why I started doing this.
0: Last question, Chris, and, and I think that a lot of people listen to this podcast not because that they necessarily have a drinking problem themselves, but I, I'm i going to use an example of a friend of mine um, who is, she's she's so amazing. I worked with her many years ago at another radio station, not even in this state, and she was impressive even back then. She was like 19 or 20, and she was an intern, and now she owns a business that employs like 30 people, all women, and I think it's great, and she's very powerful but very humble, but her problem was her husband was a heavy drinker and she did not want to put up with it anymore and I know there's a lot of people who are stuck. It's like some marriages are in trouble because of cheating or financial or infidelity or whatever, but some marriages are in trouble because of of alcohol. What would you I don't want to put you on the spot, but you're here, you volunteered for this, so I will. What would you tell somebody whose partner is drinking every night, passing out on the couch, gets off work, comes home and um eventually she she divorced him. She said you're moving out. I can't going to take it anymore. Some people don't have the finances to move out or have somebody move out. What would you if you have anything to say to somebody whose partner is has a problem with drinking too much?
1: Yeah, and I get that question all the time. And the sad part about it is that you know, you can't you can't ever make somebody get sober or, or, you know, change their life when it comes to that, any addiction by giving them an ultimatum, telling them anything, if anything, it'll have the adverse effect and it'll make them, you know, resent you and want to drink more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, that's the part that is, is really tough to tell a a spouse that look, there's, there's really nothing you can do except love and support this person and 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 tell them, like, you're ready to walk out the door if they don't change this. And but, then that, but,
0: but that's but that's a threat. That's an ultimatum right there.
1: It is. But you have to be and, and you it, it may not even have to be an ultimatum. You just have to you have to come to that position as the partner to tell yourself, like, look, I'm not going to be able to change them and change their drinking. All I can tell them is what it's doing to me. Uh, and, and I don't like it. And if it continues, I just can't be a part of it. And you know whether they want to see that as an ultimatum or not. The the point is, if they continue to drink, you're gonna have to hold true and 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 unfortunately leave because it's the saddest thing when you have a partner and they can't stop. You know, for for me and my wife, um, it's interesting because we our relationship was really built around drinking. We met while we were drinking at a casino while we were gambling. I mean, that's how (laughs) we met. Were you smoking too? We we were actually, as a matter of fact, we were. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. So,
1: um, and and most of our relationship was you know sitting on the couch and drinking. And so a big deal for me was like I don't know how I'm going to do this because if my wife still drinks, like what's that going to look like? And so I had to just determine because at first we were both going to quit. And then I said, you know what, this has to be my journey. I can't make you not drink. And so I did it on my own and quit drinking. My wife kind of noticed the benefits and the changes within me. And within a couple of months, she said. I'm going to quit too. And so she quit. Now we both are sober and man, our lives are completely different than, than where they used to be. And if you would have asked me two years ago, if her and I would be sober, uh, I would have said, you're crazy. Because again, our relationship was built on it. And so we are lucky in that we fed off each other and, and realized like, look, what are we doing here? We want to be more present for our daughter and Um, just make better choices. And, and we have since becoming sober, but it's really heartbreaking when you're with somebody and they are drinking and you can't do anything about it. Um, And and that's, there's no right way to go about it Uh, because when you go on this journey, it's like walking on a tightrope and it has to be about you and you alone. Um, And as partners, all we can do is love and support uh, this, the person that's struggling through this.
0: Chris, I love your passion. You know, seriously, I, um, uh, I, I can definitely hear the passion in your voice and, and how important this is to you and how important your experience has been and how you want to help other people. I'm going to wrap up by, first of all, saying thank you. It was wonderful to have you on, to have your experience. And thanks for being so candid with us. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, the social media tag again is your handle is?
1: Yep, it's at Sober Coach Chris.
0: And the website's the same thing sobercoachchris.com.
1: Yep. Sobercoachchris.com. And you can send me a message there. And we can start the conversation. Um, if you're even thinking about like, yeah, I want to kind of reevaluate this and, um, and we can kind of, we can have a conversation and see, see if we'd be a good fit working together.
0: Hey, quick question. Speaking of conversation, do you do it over zoom, over the phone? Do you meet in person? What do you, or do you do it all different ways?
1: It's usually over zoom because I work with people all over the country. However, I do have some local clients. It's funny. I have a, I have a, a a woman that I'm going to be starting up with here soon. And she's like, well, you know, I, if it's going to be a zoom, I mean, I, it's going to be like every other meeting. Like I want to do it in person. And so we're going to do it in person. We're actually going to go out in nature and walk as we have our coaching sessions. And I'm, wow. I'm, I'm really to that because, you know, you can only take so many zooms, but that's, that's typically how I, how I do it. And then I have group coaching calls that, you know, um, uh, where it's, it's a community of, of other clients and we're all kind of in there talking together. And it's not like an AA meeting where we're talking about really drinking and stuff like that. We just have a community. It's almost like we're sitting around a bar having a conversation, but we're in the same boat and that can be super helpful for, for people struggling with this.
0: Chris, thanks so much. And I think one of the things that, that I discovered as a theme here is that um, realizing there are other people that are just either, just like you or very similar to you, is really helpful. Chris Shattuck, thanks so much for being on the podcast this week. And thank you. Uh, you, I mean you, for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments or you want to be a future guest on the podcast, and you're going, hey, you know what? They've never really told this story, or I really want to hear them talk about this, and it's never happened yet. I would love to hear from you. Reach out at um, Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And thank you so much again to Chris at Sober Coach, Chris. Thank you for listening to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Again, email Ryan at KDWB.com. Thanks so much for listening.